Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to be together as we worship together. Thank you, Jay, and the worship team uh, for leading us. Uh, we appreciate that. And uh, all the efforts they practice during the week and come in here early on Sunday morning, and so um, we fully appreciate that. Um, if you open your Bibles to John, John chapter 16, verse 12 through 15, and as you go there, um, if, if you're new here, uh, welcome. And if you haven't been here in a couple weeks, maybe, and you're not quite sure what series we're in, we're in a, a studying the wonder of God's Word. And uh, if you'd like to catch up, uh, Julie and the gang, they put the, uh, the sermons online, and just this week Julie got a video online, so um, they're, they're really whipping that thing into shape. So uh, take advantage of that um, if you'd like to catch up in the series. And so, uh, because each message really isn't to be taken separately. Um, because this is really kind of all tied together. John chapter 16, if you're there. Uh, before we do that, uh, delve into that, uh, I'd like to wish my wonderful bride, Cindy, a uh, happy anniversary, 23 years today. And so... I won the prize that day, that's for sure. That's for, I don't know what she got stuck with, but I won the prize. So... Speaking of prizes, I wonder, has anyone ever here, here ever won a raffle? You're not going to get in trouble. Just raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> what did you guys win? Just kind of say what you won. Teddy bear. Teddy bear. Really? Okay. What else? All right. These are some... Okay. Anything else? Really? Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. I, wanna, I, I never win raffles, first of all. Um, Cindy's got, uh, her grandma wins like every raffle she's in practically. They've won everything under the sun. I never win, except once. We had, I think it was Angela and her friend Abby, we had gone to Rice Lake for an Easter egg kind of evangelism thing, and you put your name in there, and they had all these really cool prizes. Uh, and I'm like, I never expected because I never win. But they drew my name. And this was, I was psyched, because they had some pretty cool prizes sitting out there. I'm like, this is going to be great. I'm going to get something real cool. And uh, the person said, we got a certificate for you. I'm like, oh, nice. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. And they said, you have won a certificate for 50% off bison processing. (laughs) I was stunned by that. But a couple things went through my mind. One, a bison's like a buffalo. I don't have any of those. So I don't have anything to process. Two, I'm not even sure I like buffalo. Three, where would I buy a buffalo to get processed? And then how would I transfer that buffalo to this processing plant to get processed? And last but not least, I would have to kick out the money for a buffalo and 50% of the processing, and be grateful that they're covering the other 50%. I guess the least I could say is I was not terribly excited about the raffle I did win. You see, my expectation exceeded the actual. I expected something great and got not so great of a prize. And it seems to me sometimes when we approach God's Word... We might expect something, but sometimes we're disappointed by the actual. Maybe it's not exactly what we wanted to hear. But I contend that when we talk this morning about the illumination of the Holy Spirit, 
the actual exceeds all our expectations. As we open the Bible, we can expect God to do and speak some incredible things into our life. This morning I want to talk about the illumination of God's Word. Now we've talked about Revelation, which is concerned with the content. Revelation, we talked about the supernatural work of God in which He communicated, He disclosed truth to you and I. We've talked about inspiration, which is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit on the writers of Scripture, so that fully using their own personalities and styles, they record and wrote what God wanted them to write. And the illumination of the Word is a work of the Spirit. And let's see what Jesus said about it in John 16, verse 12 through 15. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. The idea, you can't understand them right now. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak of His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will disclose. It's the idea of revelation there. He will disclose to you what is to come. He shall glorify me, for He shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that He takes of mine and will disclose it to you. When speaking of illumination, we're speaking of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we enter into important truths, yet one that seems to remain mysterious to a certain point. But how would we define illumination? That would be good. I always like to define a word. We could define it this way. Supernatural work of the Holy Spirit upon all who earnestly seek Him so as to comprehend inspired truth. To comprehend, to apply it. We need the Spirit of God. Illumination is not a one-time event for a Christian. It's, it's something that should be lifelong. Spirit continues to illuminate our minds as you and I continue to study and read. Let's break that down even more. Jesus talked about this teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. And He says there's a great need for it because the Spirit's going to come, and He mentions three times in just those verses I read, this word disclose. The Holy Spirit's going to come and make known to us some things we would not otherwise know without the Holy Spirit teaching us. We need God's Spirit to teach us God's truth. And since only God knows the things of God, therefore it's essential that we have the Spirit of God who instructs us of the things only God knows. That only makes sense. But we need to consider something else. God's truth, which is beyond our comprehension, has actually been brought into the realm of human history. But also, we must address that word to our hearts, for personal communication with another person is really dependent upon spirit to spirit, in this case, the Holy Spirit to our spirit. And so we are utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit to communicate to us God's truth. And the nature of this communication is unique. To some extent, the activities of God, if we were to be honest, in our innermost being will always remain a mystery. We're not always sure how it works. We just know the Holy Spirit does work. But there's this work, we're told in John 16 also, verses 8 through 11, this work of the Spirit in conversion. In other words, you and I as Christians would never have come to faith in Christ without the illuminating work of the Spirit who allowed you and I to understand the gospel and see our need for Christ as Savior. Jesus talked about that. And when he 
where when he comes, he will convict the world that he is the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me. And concerning judgment because the rule of this world has been judged. Holy Spirit comes and illuminates truth that you and I could see our need for Jesus Christ. And beyond conversion though, Jesus talked about he will guide us and teach us all truth. Not some truth, all truth. That's an interesting phrase. We may think right off the bat that, okay, God's Spirit's going to allow us to understand everything that's true. No. But He's going to allow us to understand that which is true. And that's a great blessing for you and I. The Holy Spirit comes to teach, to guide us always to truth, which we're dependent upon to teach us. And the reason that's important is because you and I can make some distinctions. God's Spirit will never lead you to immorality. I've had conversations with men so deceived, they said, God led me to divorce my wife and to marry another. I said, no, Satan led you to do that. You're just making excuse and putting upon God. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to contradict God's will. He'll always lead you into what? All truth. That's what the Spirit will lead you to. And this Holy Spirit does some incredible things that really is is mind-boggling when we try to grasp it. If you go to 1 Corinthians 2... Paul talks about these things. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10 through 12. I like the flipping pages of the Bible. Sounds like angels' wings up here. That's good. Paul writes to this church. He said, For to us, verse 10, chapter 2, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. The key to understanding God's wisdom lies with God's Spirit. And we're told here in these verses that the Holy Spirit explores the things of God, all things of God. In other words, there's not a vain truth, vein of truth that the Holy Spirit does not know. There's not a vein of truth the Holy Spirit cannot explain. And when you see the word search there, we see it right here, the Spirit searches all things. The word carries this idea of exploring. It's not that the Holy Spirit needs to explore truth. The Holy Spirit doesn't need to learn truth. He knows all truth. But this idea of searches means He kind of like takes you and I on an exploration of truth. He allows the believer to come and learn more things of truth so you and I can explore the things of God in that sense. But the Holy Spirit, He, doesn't not, he does not need to search. He does not need to study in that sense. Again, the thought is that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you and I and it's through Him that we do our searching. It's through Him we study. It's through Him that we find guidance and direction into these profound truths of God. If you're like me, sometimes you ask questions. As I was reading verse 10 again, the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. I thought, what are these deep things of God? What are these depths of God that He's talking about? It kind of occurred to me as I backed up to verse 9 that probably the end of verse 9, those deep things of God are all that God's prepared for you who love Him. 
God leads us into those deep things of God and what those deep things are, all that He has prepared for you in your life, which is staggering. Sometimes they're hard things. I was listening to Mercy Me's testimony of their song, Bring the Rain, and I'll have to try to sweet-talk Jay into singing that sometime, but it's a great song, and, and he shared in that thought that he thought all these things that were coming upon him were bad things, and he realized, no, they weren't. God was using them in his life to make him more like his son. Those are deep things when we recognize what God's doing in our life. And so the Spirit explores the things of God. He also expresses the things of God. We see it here when he talks about verse 12. We've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given us. In other words, the Spirit expresses the things of God so you and I can freely know. And what a blessing that is. You could say the Spirit in interpret spiritual truth to spiritual minds. But not only does the Holy Spirit explore, but He expresses to us what is explored. Again, we're utterly dependent upon the Spirit. But Scripture also tells us so much about the Holy Spirit's work in the life of the believer. If you stay in 1 Corinthians 2 here, we're going to go a little further, read 12 through 15. Now we receive not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them. Why? Because they're spiritually appraised. All believers are capable of receiving the illumination of the Spirit. But for unbelievers and before us who came to Christ, there was a problem. The problem was the natural man. In Paul's words right here, you could kind of think in terms of the spiritual man as the saved man, the unspiritual man and the natural man as the unsaved man or woman. They don't have the Spirit of God. And the reality is that at one time, every Christian was natural. In other words, they had the things only of their sinful nature. They, were, they did not have the things of the Spirit. But when you and I as Christians trusted Christ as your Savior, the Spirit came in and moved us, in a sense, to spiritual, to a realm we're now able to live in we were not able to live in before. And if you look at verse 14, I love the practical way Paul expresses it. Here's the problem with the natural man. A, he does not accept the things of the Spirit. In other words, he does not receive the things of the Spirit. But he's not done. He goes out there, foolishness to him. In other words, he does not respect the illumination of the Holy Spirit. He has no respect for it. He's not done. He goes on. And he cannot understand them. Why? Because they're spiritually appraised. In other words, he does not recognize the illumination of the Holy Spirit. He cannot understand them. Because they're spiritually discerned. And if you look back to again verse 9, it occurred to me, things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, which have not entered the heart of man. That pretty much covers everything. And so the natural man is blinded and he has a problem in all aspects. In other words, spiritual truth can only be understood by those who have access to a whole new level of understanding that the world knows nothing about. Natural blindness keeps individuals, even intellectuals, from comprehending even the simplest truths. I read a 
article. Apparently, I was supposed to be impressed or drawn to the fact that I won't mention the man's name, but he's a particular boisterous person on evolution and, and how that is and how there's no God. And uh, in this particular article, the author said, we should care about what he says because he says there's no God. And the first thing that went to my mind is, hey, here's a natural man trying to tell me something that's in the spiritual realm. Proverbs says, every man who says there's no God is a fool. So I have the world telling me I should listen to a fool. I don't think so. And, but that's the problem with the natural man. They only look at things, they only seek to understand things on a natural level. And when you do that, you miss reality. Because reality is found in the spiritual realm. And that's the recognition Paul talks about in verse 12. A recognition by spiritual man. He points out believers, by, word of the, by the, we see the word we, and Paul's talking about himself and the church he's writing to. We have a relation to the illuminating work of the Spirit. We've received it. He uses those words we have received. It's a recognition issue. We recognize the Spirit's presence. We recognize the Spirit's adequacy. And if you and I are not growing, if we're not learning, if we're not seeing truths open up, the problem's not with the Spirit. The problem's with us. We have not received what the Spirit has been trying to show us. And Paul's point is, since we received the Spirit of God who is not of the world, we should cease thinking like the world. And we see in verse 12 Paul's contrast. Now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but, here's the contrast, but the Spirit of God. You and I have the Spirit of God in our life. And the Holy Spirit reveals the deep things of God, bridging the chasm, chasm so we might know what God has for us. That we'd have an inner wisdom, an assurance the world does not have. And again, we see it there, that we might know the things freely given to us. Now, as you look at those words, we might know, you might think in terms of a one-time experience, the tense in the Greek is continuous. In other words, we might know and keep knowing. In other words, our, our life will ever be as a Christian discovering and learning new things of the Spirit. As I read about this contrast of the natural man and spiritual man, it occurred to me why so many students who go to college as Christians fall away and struggle. They're learning from natural men, for the most part, trying to explain life, how it came to be, trying to explain sociology, psychology, math. They're trying to explain things from a natural plane. And so we have a lot of Christian students going to college, getting soaking up things from the natural man. And if they don't stay in touch with the Spirit of God, they're in trouble. They're in real trouble. So children or parents, as you raise your kids, make sure you're always giving them the spiritual perspective so that they know the real deal when they get to college. There's a third point we need to talk about here. In illumination, the Holy Spirit will use our study and our meditation to not only understand Scripture, but also to apply it. You see, when it comes to illumination, the Spirit does a work, but you and I do have a part in a play, a part to play in whether we understand it. Go to James 1, if you would. James chapter 1. Let's talk about how are you and I supposed to approach the Bible in a way that the Holy Spirit will bless. How are we supposed to open the Bible and receive the illumination of the Spirit? How does that work? Look at J James 1, verse 22 through 25. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. This word receive, if you read uh, in verse uh, 23, for anyone who's a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a natural man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. But he eventually receives something that's not natural. He receives, he's quickened by the word of truth. He's quickened by the word of truth to salvation. This word becomes planted in us. But you know it's possible to have the word situated but not receive it. You can go to Sunday school, we can go to Sunday morning, we can go to community groups. We can have the word situated. It can be taught to us. We can actually hear it but not receive it. In other words, you and I need to be positioned to receive the illumination of the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the word implanted, it's a rich word. You need to have the word implanted in us. And when the word's implanted in us, we're receptive soil. The seed gets planted in the soil so as to grow. And to grow, it needs something specific. In the parable of the sower, Jesus compared the word to the seed and our hearts that fell on it to soil. And without one ingredient, though, the seed cannot germinate. That ingredient's water. And what water is to the seed, the Spirit of God is to the soul. The Spirit of God is to the Word of God. You see, when the Spirit of God and the Word of God come together, this seed begins to spring to life. There's some things that happen in us that could not otherwise happen if the Spirit of God and the Word of God didn't come together. Anyone can read the Bible and understand at least some of what it says. You can understand historical facts. You can understand some of the contents and topics addressed. But what we can't know apart from the Holy Spirit, is that these words mean to you, what they mean to you and me personally, what they mean to us at a particular junction in our life. We can't understand that without the Holy Spirit. You see, the seed will not germinate. It will not grow within you and me to the fullness of Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit reveals to the hungry greater depths of God and hidden treasures of truth and there are no depths of God's Word we've never tapped which the Spirit wants to show us because we've not been positioned to receive it. In other words, God's longed to teach us things. But because so often we're not positioned to receive it, we miss it. Some of you may be wondering, how come I keep going through the same trial? It's like this happens and, and, and I think I got past it and it's like the same trial keeps happening to me. I feel like I'm getting bombarded with the same thing. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I would suggest to you maybe you haven't learned from the first one. Maybe the Spirit of God had something in the first trial you missed. And He's not going to let you off the hook. He wants you to learn it, so He's just going to keep bringing it until you and I position ourselves that we learn what the Spirit has for you and me. How do you and I position ourselves? According to James, the, the whole book of James, you and I are to put away the garbage, take out the trash, and humbly live out truth that you and I find. We're to look intently, as he said in verse 25, 
to study, to reflect, to act upon what we see. And when we do that, the Spirit reveals more and more. But the careless man, what does he do? He goes to the mirror and immediately forgets. Why? Because he did not look intently. He just gave a quick glimpse, but he didn't gaze. He didn't study. He didn't look intently. And let's be, some, or let's be honest, sometimes in the morning we're like, you know, I'm supposed to have a devotion because that's what Christians do. And so I'll grab a daily bread, nothing wrong with daily bread, by the way, take a quick glance and think that's good. No, you just took a quick glance. You didn't, you didn't gaze. You didn't, you didn't look intently into the Word. And when we look intently, that's when the Spirit of God really works. That's when He takes what we look intently at and illuminates it to us. Maybe you've experienced this. You ever go to the Bible and you got questions or your life's unraveling or there's pressures you're facing and they're increasing and you open your Bible and bam! You're like, oh, that must be for me. I, I needed that. I needed it right now. And that's when you know You've positioned yourself well. This verse, this passage is tailor-made for you. Tailor-made for your situation. You see, the Holy Spirit takes our reading. He takes our meditations. He takes our memorization. He illuminates our minds. And He fuses in us, into our hearts, truth. And He takes you and I when we're rightly positioned. And He guides us. He tutors us. But He's not just any guide. He's one who is sensitive to where we are at in our spiritual journey. One who will direct our attention to those things we're ready for. One who won't let us slide by lessons that are difficult to learn. And yet when we talk about illumination, again, it involves both God's activity and to a certain degree, our own. And the psalmist I love spoke often of meditation as crucial to learning God's truth And we find it so often in Psalm 119, as you read through that again, you find out the psalmist's attitude about Scripture and about God's truths as he meditated on it because he knew he had to if the Spirit was going to teach him. There was a church that Paul wrote to. There was a church that was missing it when it came to illumination. You find it in 1 Corinthians 3, a couple verses he wrote to them. And this is fitting because this is challenging to some of us. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 through 3. Paul writes, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men. Why not? I could only speak to you as men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. He says, Because I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able. Why? Because you're still fleshly. For since there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? Paul's saying carnality greatly hindered, even nullified the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their midst. They were not able to receive it. Carnality resulted in them not being able to understand the deeper truths of God. Matter of fact, he says you're still fleshly. In other words, your mind's still on the things of the flesh. You're still trying to fill up your, your fleshly gratifications your fleshly desires, and because of that, you're missing the ministry of the Holy Spirit. No wonder the psalmist said, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your law. You see, the Spirit of God waits for those who will love Him and who hunger for things too excellent to understand. That's what He waits for. Those who are hungry. 
we need to pray as the psalmist and others in Scripture, Lord, unless you unfold your truth, unless you help me see it, I'm going to miss it. Holy Spirit, if you don't come and open my eyes, if you don't remove my blinders, I won't see it. I'll miss your lessons, I'll miss your truth. And I'll be left floundering. I wonder, when's the last time you prayed to the Spirit? Actually prayed to the Holy Spirit. I, he's, he's like the forgotten one of the Trinity. We don't think of Him often when we pray, and we don't think of Him often even when we open the Bible. But when's the last time you said, Holy Spirit, fall fresh on me. Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Holy Spirit, guide me into truth because He was sent to guide us. And so I think we should ask Him to do so and to position ourselves to receive it. Well, there's some applications regarding all this that would be good for you and I to embrace and to cling to. Because the Spirit's illumination is the key to understanding God's truth so it will make a difference in our life. The first thing, because of the Spirit's ministry of illumination, you can read the Bible with great expectation. When you open the Bible, you can expect not to receive a coupon for half-off bison processing. When you open the Bible, you can expect to see riches far greater than you could ever understand. When you open the Scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, you can read the Bible with great expectation. You know what? Tomorrow morning when you sit down or tomorrow night when you open the Bible, do you realize you can open it and realize God wants to speak to you? To you. Not your spouse, not your kids, you. And you can expect that. And could there be anything greater than sitting and hearing a word from the Almighty. Can't think of anything. And so you and I can expect that. Number two, without the Spirit's ministry of illumination, we'd neither understand God's purposes or His will. So many people want God's will. So many people want God's way. So many people want God's purposes, but they won't listen to the Holy Spirit. Nor do they appreciate the fact it's the Holy Spirit's illumination that will even make it possible. Without the Spirit, we can't understand God's will. Might you and I be quick to give thanks and praise for the Holy Spirit as He opens things up to us. And number three, with the Spirit's ministry of illumination comes great blessing. You say, what blessing? Well, the Holy Spirit blesses with divine wisdom, divine perspective, a joyful kind of knowledge. He brings hope. He brings comfort. He brings direction. He imparts truth and transforms us at the deepest level. He bears, helps us bear fruit to holiness, brings about Christ-likeness in us as we allow Him to work. That's the blessing. When you and I position ourselves to hear the Holy Spirit. Friday night, uh, Kurt Darlene invited Angela and I to a privileged place. It was on a football field. We got to go down in the corner of the field, on the field, by the cannon. This was good. I've never done this before. Angela and I have never been by a cannon, much less on a football field. I wasn't sure what was going to happen, if people would drop or what was going to go on here, but Kurt assured me this is a good place. And we're positioned well, and we were, to see. We were right near the, the end zone. There was a lot of plays right in front of us, and we were positioned for a clear view, for a better look. We were positioned for a greater experience than if we were up in the bleachers. Sorry, but, but we were. And so Angela and I were there, positioned, and experienced a great experience. So thanks, Kurt. But you know what? It's kind of true, too. 
when the Holy Spirit comes to you and I, when we open the Scriptures and sit before Him, we're positioned for a better view. We're positioned for a greater experience. We're positioned for a greater view of God. We're positioned to see things more clearly, the ways of God. And we're positioned to experience the transforming work of the Spirit in our lives. And so what would stop us from positioning ourselves to allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate to you and I truth? Church, let's position ourselves to receive from the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, there's a song we sing. It's a great song. It's a personal song. It it, it says, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. That's our prayer. Forgive us for loving the things of this world so much that we tune you out. Forgive us for thinking that that television program is more important than hearing what you want to say to us. Forgive us for putting so much more faith in the words of natural man at the expense of hearing what the Spirit of the living God has to say. Please forgive us. We ask, Spirit of the living God, you take us to new depths in our relationship with you. I pray you'd find us positioned, opening your word, listening, removing the distractions, recognize the privilege that we get to hear from the living God. So Holy Spirit, we look forward with expectation of what you're going to teach us what you're going to show us. The clearer view we'll have of God and the, the clearer view of your ways. And Lord, we long for that experience where we just dwell in your presence, loving you, receiving from you. So Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. It's your name, Jesus, we pray.